Welcome to Pure Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 168 on the road. Update episode. Yeah, yeah we are on the road. Uh, as you guys can tell if you're watching on YouTube, I'm actually in my car right now uh, because I've got a two-year-old up in the hotel room and uh, trying to keep him quiet or me being quiet enough not to wake him is just not going to work. So, uh, you know, hopefully this works out. We're not in our normal studio, but, you know, we still wanted to get a chance to uh, talk to you guys and, and kind of get caught up. So, man, how, Orlando, how are things going? Well, I just want to get over the awkwardness of the fact that I'm so used to be in the studio or at least even when think about it, this time last year, we were at eBay open. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. This week. And we even had, you know, we had to do that hotel room, but episode, but still, even in the hotel room it felt normal. This is kind of like, I'm talking, like I'm trying to look into the camera, but I'm trying to look at you and trying to look at the notes. And so I, I appreciate all our listeners that are tuning in because this is going to be an interesting one. So, but, it, but that's how it goes. Right. I mean, we can't live in the underground bunker every day. So we got well, no, to the other thing too, is, I mean, uh, people who listen to other podcasts, I mean, I, I would say probably at least half the podcasts I listen to on a regular basis. I've pretty much gone completely to, you know, zoom. And so audio quality has gone way down. So we've been blessed enough to be able to kind of keep using our studio and, and be doing live, but you know, this is, this is an on the road, special edition Wednesday episode. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, super excited. Um, you know, like I said, I'm in my car right now, so you got to excuse the mess. We are traveling. Actually, today's our last day of, well, we'll be getting home tomorrow. So we're pretty excited about that. Uh, but you know, car is a bit of a mess. I have some snacks in here. So if I end up eating some popcorn during the, uh, during the, the podcast, you know, it is what it is. Well, it's funny because you're headed back to San Diego and I'm headed back where you were. Now, I really? can't disclose exactly where I'm going. Uh, mm. Maybe by the evening that this episode drops, I might go live on Instagram. Because I And I'll talk about this later, what I'm looking forward to. But there's a certain item that is only being carried in certain locations throughout the country right now that's not sold out. Mm. And so, yeah, it's actually worth me catching a flight to find this item. So we'll see what happens. Nice. So, nice. all right. Now, how's how's I saw we, I saw the YouTube. I'm sure some of you have seen it. If you haven't caught the YouTube, go on YouTube and check out the latest road thrifting. It's the last video that's on there besides the podcast, outside of our Dave Ramsey Total Money Makeover book review. So, how's the trip been so far? Was it everything you expected? Were there highs? Were there lows? Like, did you source enough? Is a trailer like? Are you done? Like, you can't put any more. Yeah. So actually I've got one more video I'm going to be doing and I probably won't be until after this episode drops. I was actually planning on having it drop. Uh, we're recording on Monday. I was having it drop tonight, but you know, it's one of those things like, like it kind of go, ties into your question. Um, you know, traveling with a two-year-old and, and kind of having a family vacation at the same time, it kind of changes everything, right? So the amount of time you actually have to do certain things and, and, you know, we get to a hotel and it's like unpack everything and then load stuff back in the car the next morning and trying to find time to like actually record and do things has, has been a little tough, but, um, you know, I'd say overall, man, the trip has been amazing. Like one of the things we went into it knowing was that this is, this is a vacation. Like we were intended to go spend time with my family. Uh, we intended to, you know, have a good time with, you know, me and Heather and Judah. And we went to some place, went to Great Wolf Lodge. We did some, went to some caverns, like some caves, like underground stuff. It was really fun. We did all kinds of really fun things during this trip. Uh, but one thing I'd say like the number one thing that was, um, I don't want to say not expected, but like we didn't really account for. So we, we knew we were going to stop, you know, most days, at least once or twice at some thrift stores, maybe multiple times. Uh, but when you're got a two and a half year old with you, 
the amount of time you can spend in a store is limited, right? So we go into a store and we're kind of looking at like the low hanging fruit. I feel like we're, we're doing a quick sweep of the store. We're picking up the stuff we can pick up and we don't have time to go through clothing racks, right? That's probably where a lot of the profit is, is actually looking at every tag. Uh, but when you got a kid running around and pulling things off the shelves and you know, you're trying to wrestle him and then he wants to leave. Uh, but the nice thing is, yeah, the trailer is pretty much full. It's pretty amazing how much stuff we can get in there. So uh, we've packed it full of stuff and I actually still have room. I could get more in there. I could probably, you know, fill up a whole trunk's worth of stuff if I were to shove wow. it in crannies and nooks and things. So I've got a lot of room left, but I've definitely had some pretty awesome scores on this trip uh, and some pretty amazing things. And you know what? Um, kind of a random story. This isn't like my, my random story as it were, but uh, one of the things like we, we were not sure whether we were going to do this trip. Uh, we wanted to go see family and we were excited about doing the thrifting along the way. And I definitely think we've gotten enough stuff to more than pay for the trip. Uh, but it was kind of like, Oh, you know, with COVID and like a lot of places are shut down. Should we do this? Should we, you know, should we go? Mm -hmm. um, is it, is it like, are there going to be like, are we going to have a hard time finding places that are open, even like restaurants and things while we're out and about Don't you have a little bit of a Mad Max feel like you're going through like the regions and like, is it okay? Like do the warlords allow you in this region? Like, are you okay? Like, that's what I, that's the sense I was thinking about when you're going through like certain places, it's like, you must wear a mask. Other places probably wasn't that enforced. And then some places it might've been like ghost towns, like no thrift stores open. I don't know. How, how was yeah. that experience? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it was definitely weird. I mean, for instance, New Mexico is a good example um, during our trip. I don't know if they had this before our trip or not, but, um, they, it was pretty much announced that, and we saw signs was as we were driving through New Mexico, that visitors have to quarantine for 14 days. So we looked it up and what? like, if we were to, if we were to stop and stay the night in New Mexico, we would have to quarantine for 14 days. So we, we, that scares we me because I was about to, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going over there, but I did think about traveling out there and that would have definitely, it would have been interesting. Yeah, so we we actually drew drew further today than we were planning on. Um, our very our first two days were like nine to ten hour days of driving, which was brutal. And then we tried to break it up into smaller, like anywhere from like five to six hours. That way, we have more time for thrift stores and stopping, and and that way, my son doesn't get too tired of being in the car. Uh, but you know, we had to drive further today. We did like a nine hour day today just because we had to get through New Mexico because it's like we can't stop here. So we went from Texas no sleeping. Uh, to Arizona. Yeah. So it's like we've got to get to we've got to get to to Arizona because we can't be quarantined. But anyways, go back to what I was saying. It's it's cool because um my dad, when we got there uh to Texas where my dad lives, um he was having some like leg pain and some leg issues. And my dad is like one of those guys that uh, you know, I mean he's kind of like me and I think a lot of people are like this where if you got something wrong with you, it's kind of like, oh, I'll just kind of deal with it. You know, I don't want to go to the doctor. We'll see. It should go away on its own. It's probably just a muscle thing or something. And based off the symptoms he was telling me, and he had had this for like several days, I was like, man, like, it sounds like maybe like some kind of infection or a blood clot or something like you've got to go. And we basically had to like force him. We were like, you've got to go. Like you're going to the doctors. Like I'll drive you tomorrow if you don't go. Um, and so he went and they ordered a, an ultrasound. And so we, we left and today he had his ultrasound and straight from the ultrasound to the emergency room, uh, because he had such a serious blood clot. They were like, you were on the brink of like a stroke or a heart attack. So it's just amazing to think that like, if we wouldn't have went on this trip, if we'd have been like, you know what? Uh, I don't know if we'll be able to stop as much or should we put this trip off? And, and we legitimately thought about it you know, who knows what would have happened. We might not have been there to kind of push my dad a little bit to get into yeah. the uh, emergency room. So kind of just a cool thing to see like 
not only did I get to see, you know, my mom in Colorado and see my dad and see my grandparents and go to all these cool places and thrift stores, but you know, just the, the providence of all of this, like, you know, I was able to kind of encourage my dad to go to the doctors, which he needed to do. So, uh, it's pretty awesome. And you know, if that alone makes the trip worth it. So, but if the trip will be still profitable, I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure that everything you picked oh, yeah. up will pay for the trip. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I, I've got some good stuff. Now, if you haven't caught the YouTube and maybe you didn't, did you get a chance to list those weights that you picked up like on your first stop? Yeah. So it's been a bummer. Like I, I that was probably the worst thing I could have picked up like first stop. Because <laughs> so explain it to everyone because they may have not watched the YouTube. So I'm, I'm, I, I stop at my old hometown, which is only like two and a half hours north of where I live. And I was like, let's stop here. Um, I haven't been to a thrift store here since I was a little kid. So we stopped and the very first Goodwill we went to, I find 270 pounds of standard weights, right? Nice. And they were basically dirt cheap. Like they had them in, in bundles, like a bundle of 50 pounds, like so two 25 pound plates. And two of the plates are rubber coated, which are much nicer. Um, they only wanted like, Six ninety nine for the for the the fifty pounds, and then for they had like ten pound dumbbells wrapped up in in uh, sets of four, so forty pounds at a time, and they wanted like four ninety nine for those. So I ended up paying like fifty dollars, and we bought a couple of other things. So we paid sixty dollars out of the store, but then I've had to drag around in my trailer two hundred seventy pounds, which I, I can imagine the amount of gas it's taken along the way. But our plan was I'm like, man, maybe this will sell when we get to Colorado. We're going to be in Colorado for hopefully, uh, or not hopefully, but we were going to be in Colorado for like three or four days, five days, I think four days, five days, something like that. And I was like, maybe they'll sell while we're here. Like we could do offer up Facebook marketplace, let go. I listed them all local. I had a few, uh, people interested, but they wanted like just pieces of it. And they weren't like meeting me where I wanted to be. Tried it in Texas too. Same thing. And so I'm kind of stuck carrying them all the way back home. But the thing is, so in Texas and in Colorado, the gyms were open. And so I don't think the market is hot there. Whereas now where we're at in San Diego, yeah, I'm we're pretty down. sure gyms are closed again. So they are. They uh, are closed. I, I, I think that the weight market should be uh, good there. So I think I'll be able to make, in fact, I'm going to post them tonight. So on my way home, we're getting home tomorrow. That way, by the time it, I'm sure some people will message me uh, and I could set up a meetup. So as soon as I get home, I could offload this 270 pounds and hopefully make like five, 600 bucks, depending on what the market looks like. I haven't seen in San Diego recently, but uh, I mean, that alone, like that first stop, I was like, man, this right here, if nothing else paid for the gas for the whole trip or paid for meals or paid, for, you know, so just one stop at a thrift store and it covered so much of the trip. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's a bummer that I had to unload and load that weight multiple times. But while I was at my mom's house, um, I was able to still do some working out because I brought some dumbbells and some like bands. Nice. And I didn't bring enough weight because I don't have enough standard weights because I use Olympic weights. Um, but I wasn't going to bring my whole weight set. So I just brought enough to do a little bit of working out. But I was able to use that weight that I bought at the, the Goodwill and kind of add extra weight and get a better workout. So I got to use them and then I'll sell them. So it was a, it was a good deal. It worked out. Okay, since we're on the podcast and since weights, you know, we have our bolo time, but I thought I'd ask, because I don't know, what is the difference between a standard weight and Olympic weight and which is worth more? So, um, standard weights are one inch holes. Uh, so they're smaller okay. Olympic weights are two inch holes. So they go on bigger bars. Uh, typically if you're, uh, lifting heavy weights, if you're squatting, bench pressing a lot of weight, you use the two inch plates, um, because the bar is a lot thicker and it won't bend. I remember my dad as a kid, 
uh, he would, he started working out when he very first started working out, was getting stronger. He was using a standard weight set that he got from Walmart. And once he got like 150 pounds on it, that bar was bending because it's just a little one inch bar, you know, and it couldn't hold the weight. The other thing is usually standard plates are, uh, they only typically go up to 25 pounds. They don't usually go more than that. Uh, because they, again, you you can't put tons of weight and they're usually used for like adjustable dumbbells, which is why they're so hot right now. Olympic weights are really hot right now too, because people have full sets, but people who want to make adjustable dumbbells, if you were to buy a 50 pound dumbbell, uh, two of them, right? You pay typically a hundred dollars, about a dollar a pound. So you'd pay hundred bucks. If you were buying, um, right now in this market, it's insane. And so instead what people will do is they'll buy adjustable. So what it is, is it's just like a, a bar with little screws on the side and they buy the plates so that they basically have everything from two and a half all the way up to 50, 75, whatever they can make their own weight in increments. And they're not buying 50 pounds for a hundred and then 95 pounds for $95 and then 90 pounds for 90. Cause when you buy a full dumbbell set, like that are rubberized, those are expensive. So yeah, so standard weights are still good, fine. And typically they're a little bit, um, like smaller weight increments. Um, but right now I'd say the market for both is probably just as good, uh, because people are looking for any kind of weight they can get. Yeah. And I would say in San Diego the other day, actually, I was trying to source online weights, just thinking, you know, maybe it's, you know, some random person in the garage was like, Oh, I want to get rid of these. No, it's, it's like the, the prices are eBay prices. And it's interesting that you say that because all the time when we share on Instagram, I get people that DM me or will put comments like you should try Facebook marketplace. And we've talked about how Facebook marketplace has been great, yeah. but I will say for hot items, it's really tough. Like if it's something yeah. that everyone knows about like weights or, you know, one time it was puzzles and, and now it's pools and all that, like that market for us in San Diego is, is obnoxious. Like there's, there's just, it's impossible to source. At least that's by my view. Now, if you're trying to find stuff that's in your niche that is not hot, I think it's a lot easier to sort. Yeah. And you've had that. That's what you've talked about on the podcast. But yeah, I tried doing some of that because once California, we started locking down earlier this week again. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> like yeah. prices are going to fluctuate again. And I'm hearing. So I was going to share about. So anyways, you got more you want to share about your trip so far? No, no, go for it. Yeah, I mean, you you share. I mean, uh, I've got a couple random. Your stuff is more exciting. Stuff. I've just been hanging out at home. I can't wait to get on a plane tomorrow. Yeah. Which by the time this podcast drops, I'm already going to be in my undisclosed location. Nice. Hopefully, having sourced a lot. But the area, anyways, I'll share about this later. So you left, and then right after you left, I think the governor put a lockdown. And you put a lockdown on all the gyms shut down. So automatically you saw the prices and stuff rising again. And then at the same time, there are certain businesses that started closing too. So I have people like in Sacramento, which is up North telling me that they're shutting down everything. Mm. So I'm like, Oh no, are we going to shut down the thrifts over here? And we shared this in the previous podcast, but the thrift stores here, I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's still bad. It, yeah. It's still so it's a good thing. You know, we shared this during our episode of reselling in a crisis idea of finding other ways to source outside of thrift stores. Now, lucky for you, how were the thrift stores when you were traveling through? Would you say there was an ample amount? Like if you had the time, you'd come out with a lot of good stuff. I mean, I think it just depended. Um, what I've noticed is probably the same in a lot of ways. Prices were better. Um, they had different sales. There were different types of items I was finding. Uh, but it seems like for the most part, at least the states I was in, 
uh, that what we're experiencing in San Diego, as far as maybe not as many um, donations happening or the stores, they just don't seem to be stocked very well. It seems to be like not as great of stuff. So they're the things that are coming into the stores are, you know, stuff they already had in the back room, things that maybe have been on the shelf for a while. Whereas like we've talked in the past, like when there's a grand reopening of a thrift store, it's just like bolos galore. There's just great stuff everywhere. I think we were kind of hoping for that when thrift stores opened back up, that maybe a bunch of people had donated stuff. Yeah, because everybody else is talking about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on Instagram, yeah, we, I I don't know what's going on. So I have, I've really been doing a lot of local deals. And luckily, some of the local deals have been profitable. In the far as I'll go in, and I shared this before, like you look up their username. So if it's Facebook Marketplace or OfferUp or Let Go, you see an item you like, and then you click their name and it shows you everything they're trying to sell. So what I'll do, I don't know, have I shared this before about my tactics, my strategy with this? I'm not no? sure. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll look and if I see a few items I like, I'll put an offer like on two of them, but I won't put an offer on the other items I see that they have. Mm. So I'll put and I'll see if they're willing to work. And then I already know what they have. So I'll already take out a good amount of money and then when I show up, I'm like, you know, I saw some other things you had on there. Are you are, are those things still available? Um, you know, because you don't want to seem like you're eager for it. Right. Like, this is the opposite of what we show when we go to garage shows. It's more of like, I don't I don't really know. Mm. And so I did this a few times and I and I shared this. <laughs> Man, see now everything's blurring together. That's what quarantine mode does. Did I share about when I went to I did, I shared where I went to two local deals and they had different items. Than what I was expecting at both deals. Did I share that already? I think so. I must have, right? So this last go around, when I showed up to places, it was more of like, hey, what else do you have? And it worked out. So I'll give you an example. One place I went to, they had Harley gear, but they had a random TI-89 calculator, brand new and package. Nice. And they had some other Harley gear. So I put in a bid on a pair of gloves. I put in a bid on another Harley jacket and and then I didn't say anything about the calculator. So I show up and I'm like, hey, listen, I, I, I want to buy this stuff. What else do you guys have? And sure enough, I was able to walk out with a few items because I already had the cash in hand. They're thinking at that moment, like having that cash in hand is far better than me having to wait for somebody else to contact me. Yeah. Right. So that's a, I think that's a great I'm not saying we're gurus, but when it comes to local deal, I wouldn't say go all in unless it's a major bulk buy that you want to do. Like you already know everything. But if it's one to, onesies or twosies or like five to 10 items, put a bid on two of them, see if they'll buy, bring in the extra cash and then go, hey, you know what? I got a few extra bucks on me. I was looking at some of the things. Are you willing to like bundle this all together and see if they'll go for it? And you may walk out with more inventory. But yeah, I, I think that's right. Like, especially as you said, like if you were to like upfront offer a bunch, one, you might seem a little eager. And two, you're just another person like, you know, Hey, I'll give you this much money. They probably had a hundred people offer them money for things, yeah. but when you're there and you've got the cash and they're like, wait a minute, I can get rid of some more of this stuff. It's like you, you create that excitement. We talk a lot about like the emotions, like you got to strike when the iron's hot. And if you give Last somebody time cash. to, yeah, if you give someone time to think about it and like process, like talk to their wife or their husband, like, Hey, should I come back with this? But like in the spot, if it's like, Hey, I'll buy this right now they get that excitement of, Hey, I could sell this. And you're more likely to like hit that deal. Yeah. And then that's what happened. Now I will say I have been like the buyers that are annoying where I'll throw in a bunch of offers and then I'm like, yeah, I'll show up tomorrow. And then I completely forget. Like I don't even message. 
like right now I'm thinking of a, a set of buckles I was going to pick up on Facebook Marketplace and it was super good. It was a great deal. And now I'm not going to get back to this guy until Friday. And I was supposed to pick him up last Wednesday. So, oh, so anyways, but again, but again, I, I, I share all this because sometimes I think we get upset and maybe I'm the only one that's not perfect, but I'm sure there's plenty. Sometimes people have valid reasons for not showing up. You know, it's not always that they're flakes. Something comes up or you yeah, get distracted. They just forget like, like Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, I'm thinking of those buckles. I'm like, it's an, it's, it's super nice. Like I, it'd be worth me. I don't know, if, but that's the thing when you have enough inventory, you don't, unless it's something you really, really need, you're not going to go drive out and get it. So, yeah. and the other thing, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if, if, um, if you remember, I had 28 huge FBA boxes that I sent out and I'll share about this more when we talk about Amazon dropping the hammer again, but of those 28 boxes, I have sold, I, I sent out 280 units. That was, two, it'll be two weeks ago tomorrow that I sent them out. No, two weeks ago. Yeah, tomorrow that I sent them out. And I sold all of them except for 26. Oh, wow. So things are flying. Like yeah. if, so FBA, now the frustrating thing about FBA was it's still doing the same thing of like you'll send stuff in and you think you're getting a deal. So I had packed up all these items. They're all going to California. It only cost me about $340 to ship. But I mean, that was 28, like 16 pound box. It was a lot of stuff. I mean, huge boxes. And I'm like, yes. And then as soon as it hits, they're like FC transfer. And I look and on the Amazon listing, it says back ordered until like July, like 20th, even today. And I'm like, no, like, this is still happening, but I will say those of you that are wondering now, I know I, I said, I don't know if I'm going to go back to FBA, but I will tell you it be, so the same item I had sold when I was in Wisconsin, I sold like 125 units in a day and a half. And I, it was, it was a hustle packing up every single box was a hustle packing up these 280 units was a hustle, but it took me, five or six hours and then I'm done. I'm not waiting for a sale to come through. I'm not waiting to pack a box. I'm not waiting to print a label. I just do it all at once and it's gone. So it's been kind of nice to just, the only thing I have to do is just adjust prices. Some sell starts going race to the bottom. I better get to the lower, not the lower bottom, but the upper bottom and sell through. And so, and right now it's still a race. That's the one thing I don't miss about FBA is that people will race and, uh, I, you know, if you can use the Chrome extension, I don't know if you know about, you don't know about this, but there's a Chrome extension called how many, and you can figure out how many units an individual has. And so you can figure out, do I need to undercut this person? Because if I wait the long game, I could be waiting three months till they sell out. Yeah. So it's been kind of nice. And so part of the reason I'm doing this trip is I'm going to do some merchant fulfilled and FBA and whatever I can sell by like the second or third day, I'm going to send it into FBA. Nice. And I'm hoping to do some thrifting because there's only been one or two stores I've really been able to go to here. And uh, I'm just looking for something different. I don't know. I, I kind of get, I feel like I'm working because I keep yeah. going to the same stores and it's like, this is, I like the adventure. And yeah. so it's part of the reason I'm getting out of town, but I'll share a little bit of that later. All right. Let's talk about some uh, random stories on your end. Um, man. So, I mean, 
I've had a lot of crazy weird things happen. Like for instance, just today. And, and again, part of this trip was vacation. So we did some fun stuff, but yeah. uh, we're coming home today. and We see all these billboards along the whole way that are like the thing, what's the thing, the mystery of the desert and however 120 miles. Right. So we stopped at this like gas station that has a museum thing attached to it. And it was like this weird alien dinosaur. Yeah. Like, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. And so it was like, just so weird to like go to that. But, um, so what, more related to the idea of like driving a trailer. Cause I've noticed a lot of our listeners kind of ask me, okay, like um, what is that like? Like I've always wanted to do that. And one of the big things we learned from this and, and it's kind of a random story is um, the quality of tires matter. And let me, let me explain why. So I had on my, like, I think it was a hustle of the week right before I went on the trip. Yeah. Uh, that I got those tires off of eBay. Right. And it was a good deal. And I got them for super cheap. Uh, they, they looked great. Uh, but the problem is, and they were rated just fine, but I think there is, there's, there's not just like a load rating on trailer tires, but there's also speed rating and these didn't have any kind of speed rating on them. So I didn't know. Um, and so you're in California, you can only go 55 miles an hour on trailers. Just that that's just the, the law. But then when you get out of California, there's no, there's no trailer law. So if you can go 80 miles, the speed limit's 80. Oh, so we're really? like going eight. Yeah. There's, there's times we're going 80 miles. The trailer? Yeah. Ooh. 75, 80 miles. No big deal. I mean, the trailer pulls just fine. It's small. It doesn't, it's, it, it doesn't, you know, no problems. I've got all the weight loaded in it properly. So we finally get to Texas, which is uh, kind of like the halfway point of our trip. Went to Colorado first and went to Texas. So we're like halfway done with our trip. And as I'm like unloading, I noticed that one of the tires, like the tread is ripping off on parts oh, of it. Man. Right. And I'm like, Oh, this is terrible. Like, what are we going to do? We're only in Texas, like two nights, like or three nights. Like we got to find somewhere that has a tire. And I look at the other tire, the other tire looks fine. Right. So I'm like, all right, I have a spare. I can get us to somewhere that has tires. So long story, but eventually we're able to find a tractor supply in town that has the right tire. We buy it. I get it on. And we hooked the trailer up to leave and we started to pull it forward. And, and I looked at the other tire and I'm like, it's fine. And I, I kind of jokingly said, unless the part that's messed up is where it's sitting on the floor, like, you know, the part that's making contact with the ground. Yeah. I was like, what's the chances of that? So as my wife pulls the car forward, sure enough, there's a whole bald spot where the, oh. the tread was ripping off. So we had to, luckily they only had one more in stock and it was like a roller coaster of like trying to find the tire. Cause they, they didn't have it and then they had it, but it was only the, it was like the wrong lugs. It wasn't a five lug. It was a four lug. So we had to take it back. And I was like, what are we going to do? Like, we can't drive with this. So anyways, we bought nicer tires at uh, Tractor Supply that are rated for high speed. So you can go much higher speed, 75 miles an hour on them, no problem. Uh, and they're doing just fine. But it's, it's kind of a bummer because, you know, we often say like, my wife was the one that taught me that you oftentimes get what you pay for. And we're yes, kind of like, we, we, we prefer to be like in the middle of the road. Like a lot of times, the low end stuff is usually just junk. Like you pay, you pay $5 for uh, a gadget and it ends up breaking 10 times over the course of the year and you have to get new ones, or you can spend $30 and get one that'll last you a lifetime, right? Like a lot of times that's the way those kinds of things work. So it's, you're better off spending a little bit more the first time and not have to buy them over and over and over. Um, but then there's the very high end. That's oftentimes a waste of money too, right? It's like, you can get, you can get a cheapy purse or a cheapy backpack that's going to break on you or you can get a middle of the road one for 100 150 bucks or you can buy a louis vuitton one right like so there's like the extreme expensive that's not worth it uh but we kind of went cheap with the tires on the trailer because we're i mean it was one of those things where it's like 
I just assumed based off the load rating that all tires are the same. It's not. And so it's one of those things where I'd say, if anybody's going to do something like this and you're doing your own trailer, um, if you're a listener and you already drive trailers and you do that kind of stuff, you're probably like, yeah, duh, obviously. Uh, but if you're like me and you're like, Hey, I'm going to go buy a small trailer and I want to start doing this on a regular basis, I would say be willing to spend twice as much to get a nicer tire. That's going to last you. Uh, because man, that was a nightmare and it wasn't fun dealing with that. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where this whole trip has been a learning experience, right? Um, what kind of gas mileage is my Subaru going to get doing this? Is this something we can do more often? How many, how many thrift stores can you actually hit in a day? And actually how many miles can you drive while doing that? Cause if we were to stop at every thrift store, so we're figuring like, okay, we're in a thrift store for a half hour. We hit three of them in a town. Well, that puts us two hours from getting to our hotel. And if we're already driving nine hours, so you have to kind of really tweak and plan how, how far you can drive in a day. How many thrift stores are you planning on stopping at? How long are you willing to spend? And what thrift stores are going to be open, right? Like one day that we were planning to do a lot of thrifting where we had a short, like three hour drive. And there were a lot of thrift stores. It was on a Sunday and almost every thrift store along the way was closed because it was a Sunday. So there's a lot of things that, that, you know, you might not think through California, very, very few businesses close on Sunday. Uh, mm -hmm. When we were driving through Texas, the areas of Texas we were driving through, it was like ghost town because it was a Sunday. Really? So yeah. So you just have to know, you have to kind of understand. And I think it comes with, it's just like anything. The more you do it, the more you start to learn different places, different things, you get better at it. And so I think when we take this trip again next year, or if we do a trip like this again, um, I think we're going to be more efficient. We're going to be a little faster. We'll plan our routes out a little differently. Um, so just things like the tires, things like that. Don't be afraid. The first time you go into something, give yourself a little bit of wiggle room to make mistakes, to learn, to grow. Uh, and then to tweaks that way, the next time you go, it's going to be better. Just like the first time you went to garage sales, you weren't perfect at it, but by the 20th time you were a lot better. So, uh, yeah, so that was kind of random, uh, having to replace two tires. And the fact that the one tire that we thought for sure was fine was not. And it just so happened that the two inches that were touching the ground was the part that was unbelievable. <laughs> hey, at least nothing crazy happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, cause you're talking about inventory too. Yeah. Right. So if your trailer, like something went off and your trailer unhooked and you're like driving by the Grand Canyon, like th that's it for your inventory. So yeah, no joke. Whew, okay. See, I don't what have, exciting, well, I don't have exciting stories like you do. I, I, my, my only random story is, you know, on Saturday, I, I really miss garage shows. Like I don't feel like we've had anything close to what garage show season looks like at all. Mm. Like we yeah. had that one day where you went and I, it was that place that I hit up the day before. Uh -huh. But outside of that, it's been like, you look, so in San Diego, when I go on Craigslist and I look at garage sales on an average Saturday, there's usually about close to 400 garage sales, in San Diego. Now you go on, it's like 160. And then you break down that 160 to just the area that we're in. And it breaks down to maybe like 30. Right. And then out of the 30, you know, you got the handful always of the there are the forever garage shows like they're always having a garage sale. Then there's five of them. that are just people that are like trying to beat Craigslist and they list their items on the garage sales. But it's dude, that should be like in another category. Like this isn't a garage sale. And then there's the, the other, you know, so you're down to like maybe 15 to 20. So I woke up Saturday morning. I shared some of this on Instagram and I was like, you know, kind of feel like going, but it was, it was about 10 30 in the morning. 
Like it's, you know, garage sales are pretty much done by that time. But I thought, why not? I saw a listing and had all these Legos. And I'm like, those Legos are probably gone. But you never know these days because I have a feeling that there isn't. A, I thought there was going to be a lot of competition, but I think there's less competition because I think so. A lot of our competition came from over the border. So we, we would have a lot of our, our Mexican neighbors come to, coming through to garage sales. And I haven't seen a lot of that. And then on top of that, I've just seen a lot of people that just haven't showed up to garage sales. Like I thought, you know, since there's only so many, there's going to be a lot. So I actually have gone to garage sales lately and I'll show up. I'm like, hey, you know, have you guys been hit hard this morning? Usually the story goes, oh, yeah, you should have been here at 545 and half of our stuff is gone. And it was unbelievable. Now I'll go and it's like, yeah, there's a few people here. And I'm like, whoa, like things have calmed down. So I show up to this one that had all these Legos. And I look and all the Legos are there. I'm talking about probably if I resold them, probably like $300 worth of Legos. I mean, it was a lot of Legos. And I'm pumped about it because I'm like, I'm going to get these. Like, there's no way I'm not going to get these. And so I go and and I see the prices and like some bins were like 30 bucks. There was another one that was 80. And I'm like, well, the price kind of high, but maybe if I bundle all of them, I can get them for a good price. The problem was, and and, and nothing wrong about this guy. He was a youngster. I mean, he was he was probably like eighteen or nineteen, maybe a senior in high school, maybe you know just graduated. And they were his Legos. Like I could tell. Like the moment I asked, I'm like, "How much?" And he's like, uh, "The best I could do is one seventy five." And I'm like, "I don't know." And I'm thinking through my head too the the process of getting these Legos. Not only buying them but then having to like put them in lots having to take pictures you know having to put them in box like the, the whole ordeal yeah and legos have been selling hot i i don't know maybe should I, okay so one of my hustles of the week is a major legos i'll just share right now so the reason i got inspired to look for these legos i don't know if you remember mike do you remember that massive lot of bionicles i picked up for 60 bucks i don't know if you remember but it was like yeah 30 cases, like the case of Bionicle cases. Then it was 33 pounds of the Legos. Then it was a bunch of manuals. So it just sold. So I just sold, I shared it on Instagram. I sold it for $320 plus shit. And they, and and they shipped out in these two huge Walmart, you know, the biggest Walmart boxes. I had to ship them out separately in two boxes. That's how big it was. So I'm like, all right, I'm time. I'm down to replenish my Lego inventory. Well, you know, I, I'm like 175. I go, you know, I think we may be too far apart on this one. Are you, are, is there any room? You know, I should have done the, how am I supposed to pay for that? But I didn't think the, you know, never split the difference line from Chris Voss's book was going to work on this one. So if you haven't caught our level up review, check it out. It's a great book about negotiating. And so I'm looking at, I could tell his parents were letting him kind of tread water, but they wanted it sold. Like I could tell, and I'm like, listen, that that's a lot. That's really, that's a lot. I'm just being real with you. And the mom goes, remember, somebody already offered you a hundred for this. And so I'm like, okay, so I got mom on my side. And then I'm like, I'll offer you 80. Can I do, can we do 80? It's the end of the day. I mean, it's already 11 o'clock in the morning. So I'm thinking, He's not going to want to go back in. And I did my whole line. Do you really want to take all this back in and have to deal with it? Can we meet at 80? And he was like, he felt insulted. And I get it. I get it. Like, I get it. 
Cause I remember when I did rummage sales before I did reselling, like, you know, like I do now, I remember bringing all the stuff from the house and I was insulted. Like people would give me bottom dollar prices for stuff that I thought was worth, let's say something I thought was worth like 10 bucks. They'd offer me a dollar and I'd be so mad inside. So I'm like, ah, I'm like, ah, I, I, I can't, I, you know, I gotta be at 80. I, Cause I also didn't want to deal with it. So I left my business card and I was thinking he's going to give me a call back. And, and the mom was like looking at him and go, son, you understand like it's a garage sale. Like you're not going to get top dollar. And actually I, for, for a moment, I was going to tell him like, do you want me to help you? Like, I'll help you sell these. Like I actually wanted to like mentor the guy and go, this is how you sell on eBay. And actually I thought it through. And if he calls me back, which he hasn't called me back, I think I'll tell him, Hey, listen, I'll give you 80 bucks, but here's another thing I'm willing to do for you. If you want, I will show you how to sell these on eBay. You, you make good money on these. And then, you know, later on in the future, whatever, if you ever come across something, you know, we, we can talk, but I actually wanted to teach them because for me, it's like, imagine the skills you would have if at 18 you learned, I mean, we have a lot of our listeners that are 16 yeah. through 18 that they, they kill it on the hustle. Like we may have one of them as a guest here soon. We haven't told them at all, but <laughs> if you're listening, your time's coming. Uh, and think of that skill. Like when he goes to college and he's wondering like, oh man, I need money or I need to get a part-time job. Like how much better would he be off if he just goes to the thrift store and goes to garage sales? And he could, he could make a killing and like not have to do those stupid college jobs where, you know, you barely make any money. Did you ever do one of those? No, um, I, I, I just had my own, like, you know, I held signs, I worked <laughs> well, at Target, right. you know, I did that kind of stuff. I just, I remember working for four twenty five an hour and yeah. half of that went to my school bill. I'm like four twenty five an hour. Like there's no way. So Brutal. we'll see what happens. So if he ever gives me a call back, I'll, I'll let you guys know on the podcast. I doubt he's going to call me back. He probably just grabbed my business card, ripped it up and threw it away and but you never know, right? I mean, I've had guys call me a year and a half later. Now, this guy's calling me a year and a half later while he's in college about his Legos. I don't know what happened. Like, he had plenty of time to figure things out. So, yeah. but we'll see. So, there's my story. Again, yeah. you got to understand different platforms. I think the, the, the reason I want to share this is because if he had sold this on eBay, he could have gotten a lot more money for it. If he sold that on Macari probably would have been able to sell it before not as much. Like I find that Poshmark, people are willing to, probably not at all. What's that? Is that Poshmark? Probably not at all. Yeah, probably not. I, I, can you, I think you can sell toys on Poshmark now, but yeah, probably not. Poshmark, Poshmark has been kind of rough on selling toys and goods. Now there are some people that are doing that and Craigslist. That probably would have been the, that Craigslist to me is like a step above a garage sale. That's just my thoughts. I don't know. Maybe I'm off. So anyways, that's my story. What do you guys think in the comments? Should I have right there just not even have offered money and should have mentored him? Should Orlando have not been about the profits, but about uh, the profitability that that kid could have earned over his lifetime? Let us know in the comments. I'm interested. Yeah. And then, and then everybody will say that and you'll feel bad forever because you didn't No, I mean, you can't help everybody. And that's why we do the podcast. I mean, we do, we do try and help people. Um, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey everyone, ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. 
They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sawhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sawhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code, all in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code, Pure Hustle 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, You're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, And your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. So kind of another really quick random story before we move on. Um, okay. So while we were in Texas, I um, I think it's only like the second time I've met my uncle. Uh, he, so it's my dad's sister's husband. So I'm not, not a blood uncle, but um, you know. <laughs> I had so to think I, that one through. Yeah. So, um, so he's, he's my uncle, but, and, and he's been in the family. I mean, he's always been in my family. I've, I've, you know, heard about him and stuff, but I think I only met him once when I was a little kid. Um, anyways, we got to talking about stuff while I was in Texas and come to find out he's on eBay for years and he's got like, really? he, he, he does, um, he has some booths at an antique shop. He's got like three different, like, uh, booths set up in an antique shop where people come and buy stuff from. Uh, but he's kind of right now, like on a pause on eBay just cause he kind of got fed up with some stuff. But, uh, for the last several years, he's been clearing $70,000 a year on eBay sales. Nice. Um, doing things like sunglasses and, and certain like hunting, uh, hunting apparel and stuff like that. Uh, and so, I mean, it was just kind of cool to have like a full conversation with somebody who like knew the hustle flip game. And this is a guy who's got like a full-time job. He works, you know, he's got several houses that he owns. He's, you know, doing well financially and yet still hustling, still doing the side hustle thing. And it just goes to show that like 
you know, there's, there's a whole group of us that are like this. It's like a certain breed of person that, you know, you can, you can, you can be a, you can, you never know. Like it could be a lawyer who's doing it. It could be a construction worker. It could be somebody who's doing a full time. There's a lot of people who like you get to talking to and you might have no idea. And it's like, wow, you're making a lot of money on eBay. And and so it was kind of cool to kind of learn that and be able to have that kind of conversation. And so that was pretty neat. Yeah. I, I feel like we're part of an underground movement still. Like I, no matter how mainstream you, we think it is a uh, case in point today, I was talking to somebody who they, you know, they've been a, an attorney since they've been a kid and I since they've been a kid, but since they finished school and they're asking, like, <laughs> yeah, they're asking me like, you know, what do you do now? And I'm like, Oh, I sell, e- I say e-commerce, right? Because people, most people know e-commerce and they're like, what do you mean by e-commerce? I'm like, well, I sell on eBay and Amazon. But what do you sell on eBay on Amazon? I sell used goods and I sell newer goods on Amazon. Oh, what do you sell? I sell apparel. I sell electronics. I also, on the Amazon side, I, I buy liquidation at times or I'll buy clearance items or I'll buy high, high items and resell. And and I felt kind of defensive in the fact that I, I'm like, is this guy like believing me, right? The whole time because this is my third year full time. And so I, I, I am pretty sure there are people that still go like, no, like there's no way you make a living doing this. Right. It just, it sounds crazy to people. You know, if I, if I were to tell people like that today, I sold, you know, a pair of sandals for 50 bucks and a, and a pullover for 70 and a dress for 90 that were all used. People would be like, what? Like think about it before you knew what reselling was. Yeah. Like you would think that's crazy. So anyways, your story, I wonder how many people there are out there that if we like did a, we were traveling or we ran into other family, would be like, oh yeah, I've been doing eBay for, you know, 10 years. And we're like, what? Like I I had no idea because I, I really think it's as much as we think that the recently world in our little Instagram, YouTube podcast community, how big it is, it's really not big at all. It's not. I mean, so, so anyways, that's great. I mean, you, you got yeah, the bond, cool. family and business. That's right. All right. I think we're ready for reseller topics. But before we jump to that, if you're catching us for the first time, we are also on social media. So you can catch us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pure Hustle Podcast. And on Twitter, we are Pure Hustle Cast. By the way, thank you, all of you that have recently followed us on Twitter. We're growing. We're getting to 1K. We're at like 920 something. Like our Twitter and our Instagram, I think the, I'm going to blame the algorithm for slowing us down, but we're almost at 20K on Instagram. So if you're listening to the podcast, strongly encourage you, if you're not on Instagram, to join us on Instagram. That's where most of our activity happens. We are grateful for our faith, Facebook faithful <laughs> because that is the one place that we, we need to show more love. And I'm always trying to. It's just it, it gets tough. Uh, and... On YouTube, hey, if you're just listening to the podcast and you want to see the terrible video quality right now because we're on the road, just joking. Yeah, I hope Mike, I didn't offend Mike on this one. This is not Mike's fault, okay? We're on the road. Mike's in his car. I'm at my house. I will say, once I move, we will have, like, I, it, we may move into my new location. We'll, we'll see what, but that's ways away. That That's, like, year down the road, if that. And uh, so follow us on YouTube. We are Pure Soul Podcast on YouTube. Hit that notification and that subscribe button. And as always, we're grateful for any donations. It always helps us. We always get them randomly. And we're grateful. And 
for the iTunes review. They've been so great. And I, I wanted to share a couple. I thought the, these were, are we, are we okay with that, Mike? Yeah. You can say no. And like, we're like, no, like we, we no, we're, that's good. We'll, we'll just, we'll just uh, speed through the topics. <laughs> but these are heavy topics, man. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. So, Hey, I wanted to share one cause I, I really liked it. Cause it was somebody that had actually said that we responded to them and it meant a lot to me because we really try to respond to everyone on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and YouTube and we actually had a voicemail on our anchor podcast, which I will have to share on a future episode because right now we don't have the technological capabilities. All right, let me read this real quick. This is from Absolute Reseller. They said, hands down, best podcast are dot, dot, dot. So obviously there was not enough room on the title. And I'm not sharing this to be braggadocious. I'm reading this because I want to let you guys know we appreciate what you guys do because this takes time to write. So they said, first, let me say, I don't even own an iPhone. I got an iTunes account just so that I was able to write a review. Wow, that is awesome. If that doesn't tell you how awesome this podcast is, I don't know what will. I listen to a ton of reselling podcasts, and while they are all good, this one is by far my favorite. I love how real they are. <laughs> we have no choice but to be real. You feel like you're just listening to some friends talking and never feel scripted. I also love that they make you feel like they truly do care. The thing is, they actually do. True. Facts. I messaged them on Facebook when I had a question not too long ago and they actually responded. <laughs> that was one of those. Because sometimes it'd be a few weeks before I respond on Facebook. I can't even imagine how, mess- how many messages and emails and everything else they get. That is very true. Yet they took the time to write back to me and offer advice. This is without any doubt my absolute favorite podcast. You guys are awesome. Well, thank you so thank much. You. Absolute reseller. That means awesome. a lot to us. All right. Thank you guys. All right. Are we ready? Yeah. So we don't have our sound effects. So I'll do the breaking news. Insert sound effects here. Cannot get any more than this. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. All right. So. The long-anticipated wait of whether eBay was going to make us pay insertion fees is here. And they are. Now, there's some exceptions. So they are extending the zero insertion fees permanently. But, I mean, permanently. And I kind of go like, I don't know. I don't know about permanent. Like, because I could always see them going back. But this is what they stated. So based on your store subscription they are giving you free insertion. So that, you know, if you have a basic premium anchor, if you have enterprise, (laughs) I don't even see why paying fees for insertion is a problem. So here's the, the only dilemma. Now they did continue offering like for instance, Mike, do you have a premium store right now? I think so. Okay. So premium is a step above a basic. So where you get the thousand free fixed price listings and the 500 auction style. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. In fashion and collectibles. Mm-hmm. So you know what I don't like is whenever any announcements have asterisks. Because whenever there's an asterisk, it's always fine the guy. Print. Man, What's that? The fine print, print right? The fine, the fine print. print. So they are offering, for instance, I have a premium store, and they are offering 50,000 fixed price listings in select categories, asterisk. Let's take a look at what that asterisk is. Sports memorabilia, cards and fan shop, sports trading cards, toys and hobbies, collectible card games, collectibles, music, books, DVDs and movies, stamps, video games and consoles, 
video games, crafts, home and garden, greeting cards, and party supplies. So, Mike, if you have 50,000 party supplies, all free, my friend, all free. You know what's going to hurt us here? Are you already thinking that that far ahead or are you are are you waiting? What did I not mention? What do we sell the most? Hold on a second. Okay. One second. I'm having technical difficulties. All right. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep sharing. Or do you want me to put it on pause? No, you're good. Go ahead and keep sharing. All right. So while Mike fixes that, so I'm just gonna share what I was gonna share with Mike. So Mike and I are big clothing sellers. There's no clothing on here. So that's still going to, you know, we're going to feel the hit of that. Now, the, the good thing is that Mike and I do sell a lot of video game stuff. So that's a good thing. We do sell some toys. We do sell some books. We do sell some games. But this says collectible card games. So, you know, even though we thought we'd be celebrating and I actually thought eBay would finally pull the trigger and eliminate all insertion fees, they didn't do it. Because the argument Mike and I have always had is that there should always be maybe one or the other. Either you do insertion fees or you do eBay sorts. But to hit us with both, right, you're, you're taking away money on both ends from us, right? Because you're already getting the final value fee. So it is what it is. I mean, I have all, I always said, even before we knew the May extension was going to happen till July, that, hey, if you have over, you know, the amount of listings and you're paying more on fees, that's okay because you have a lot more inventory and you're still bringing in, bringing in the extra income. So am I bothered a little bit by this? Sure I am because obviously they hit up the areas right now that are hot, right? Video games and sports trading cards, like those are fire right now. So I could see eBay saying, hey, we want as many of these listed. And I could see them also saying, we don't want to get free to clothing because that's the easiest one. And, you know, we may get flooded with a bunch of stuff that isn't going to be as profitable to us. So I get eBay's angle on this, but at the same time, I think eBay like to, to continue holding on to the marketplace needs to end insertion fees. Now, if you disagree, let us know in the comments below. below. We know the other arguments. There are some people that say, Hey, Getting rid of insertion fees is just going to flood the market with a bunch of junk or it's going to cause us a lot of competition or it's going to allow a lot of overseas sellers to flood the market. And so it's good that we have insertion fees because it becomes a gatekeeper. So I get that argument. At the same time, I wonder how well eBay did over this pandemic because they allow no insertion fees. And the fact that now they're putting insertion fees, are they just thinking, hey, we're, we're probably going to make more money on the insertion fees than the profit we're going to make. Because one of the reasons that eBay was profitable last year wasn't because of all the merchandise that was selling. It was because the promoted listings and all the fees that we're charging. But this year, and the earnings report hasn't been released yet, but I'm expecting that the numbers are higher because of everything that they sold in these last three months, not because of fees. So we'll have to wait and see. Mike, are you back yeah. with us? Yeah, I, I, I'm back. Uh, sounds like everything you said was great. <laughs> okay I, I felt like i was on a talk radio show at the moment like yeah. it's kind of weird Sorry about that I, uh, so 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 backstory is uh i turned my car off for a little bit because i've just been running it so i can have a little bit of air because it's arizona so it's 103 degrees right now and it's 8 44 in the evening uh but anyways so it's super hot so i have my car running 
So I turned it off for a few minutes just because I didn't want to run in the whole time. Turned it back on. It tried to connect. The audio tried to connect to my car, and then it wouldn't connect back to my Bluetooth. So I think we're good now. So hopefully I didn't mess nothing up. The most organic reselling podcast out there. This is, that's called, this is the special road edition, man. Like this, this isn't uh, this isn't the polish. Hey, if like, if all of the, the, the fancy TV shows can like be doing stuff in their home with like, not even a lav mic, they're just using their phone. We're good. Like we're good. How's my Yeti mic? Is it, is it working? Is it clear? It's, it's, it's uh at least to me, you sound a little high and uh, a little echoey in your room. Uh, so, but that's all right. Sorry, I should have put foam in the back. I should yeah, have just yeah. insulated like the whole place. Right, you need some more furniture in there to to pull off some of those highs. That is true, but I was doing some listening today, so I, I there's like really not much here. All right, next. I don't know if you heard this, but the post office is actually now announcing that there will be late mail delivery. Like it's going to be a thing, and we actually had Wayne from Kway Shop. Uh, he works for the post office and. I don't know. Oh, wait, am I supposed to share this on, on the podcast? I don't know. Anyways, Wayne had been talking about us with us that he's just been having a lot of packages and the post office has been moving through. So Wayne hasn't given us any, any insider info. So anyways, Wayne, we appreciate you and the fact that you work for the post office and you resell. This is your shout out. KW shop on Instagram. All right. Now we have had, a lot of people over time say, man, I'm dropping off packages and nothing's getting scanned. I actually, last week, Mike, at our local post office, I dropped off 25 packages, zero scans, zero, not one single one. And I'm like, no, like what's happening? And so now the post office is saying, because of everything happening, that there's going to be delays. And and so they said late trips will no longer be authorized. If postal distribution centers are running late, they'll keep the mail for the next day. And so this is from a postal service leader sent in a document uh, obtained by the Associated Press. So this is from Fox News. Uh, there's a bunch of other news sites that said this, but the title is USPS warns of late mail delivery and significant revenue loss amid the coronavirus pandemic. So I don't want to get into the revenue loss. We've talked about that, how the post office for like the last decade has been losing $5 billion a year. A lot of that has been because of the upfront payments that are going to pensions and everything. And so no matter what the post office does, post office will always run at a deficit. Uh, but we, I had actually locally, I, I had heard that they're only going to be doing like post office stuff from like nine to five. And so if you don't get it there, you know, by a certain time and they, they can't get to it by five o'clock, like it's just going to wait till the next day. So I'm like, wow, like that is that's pretty disruptive. I mean, yeah. especially if you're an individual that does like three day handling, that's going to extend it out even more. Right. I think if you're doing same day, I do same day handling. I think I'm going to be OK because. My view is most people that buy from me, like they don't expect to get it so fast because eBay always gives you like an extra day or two on the delivery time. So if you send it same day, you're still good. But if you're doing like one business day or two or three, I think that's when it's going to get a little bit interesting. So now have you, you have you, you haven't shipped anything on the road. Have you Mike? No. I have, well, actually I had my brother-in-law help us ship one thing. Uh, Cause we, we, we were smart enough to know we had to put our store, we did vacation mode. Normally we wouldn't do vacation mode or we didn't do vacation mode. Rather we, we extended that the handling time to like 15 days. Cause they only let you go in increments, right? Like you, 
my initial thought was I'd be able to do like 14 days. And then after we were on the road today, like go down to 13 days, then go down to 12, like keep bringing it down. But like, you can go like five, like, I think it's like three, five, 10, 15. Like you can't, you can't go in like one day increments. There's like increments that you can go up. And so, um, we had to stay at 15 business days for a while. And, uh, but we had some offers out that you can't change the handling time on an offer that's out. And so, yeah. So, um, we unfortunately, uh, forgot, like we we were initially planning like three days before or four days before to just stop sending or receiving offers. Uh, but we, we had sent an offer, several offers and we couldn't change. So as those offers were expiring, we were changing those handling times. We had one item sell that was an offer. The offer had been open for like two days before they finally accepted it. Uh, so we had to walk my brother-in-law through how to ship a hat. So it wasn't the, the end of the world, uh, but we've had a ton of sales, which has been really nice. And so we're going to come back to having to ship out like 20 some packages, but we just had like a generic um, like email that we'd send them and say like, Hey, thank you for purchasing from us. Uh, we're currently on vacation. Uh, and it, that's reflected in our handling time. We'll be able to ship on this date. If that works for you. Um, great. We'll send it out then. If not, let us know, we'll cancel your order. And we've only had a couple of people want to cancel. Most people have been like, Oh, that's fine. So, uh, it's been nice that we've still been making sales, even though we've had this crazy extended, uh, handling time. Well, and the nice thing about it too, though, is that eBay is actually just removing anything like uh, from your metrics. Yeah. Like I've had, I have had some stuff that I know showed up like a day late and it shows up on my report. And then a week later I check it again and it's gone. Like you don't even have to call in anymore. So it's been, so eBay has done its job. I would say on the, on the Amazon side, do you remember, I think a couple podcasts ago, somebody had said they didn't get it. And even though tracking showed on Amazon that they received it, they said they didn't get it. Amazon still sided with them, sided with them. I appealed it. It's been two weeks. Amazon crickets, absolutely nothing from Amazon. That's crazy. So, So I'm out $90 right now. Not good. That's no good. All right. Speaking of Amazon, let's get to Amazon. So this is, uh, you know, I know it might, you and I go back and forth, but this is, I'm still going to sell on Amazon, but I feel that Amazon, not be that is, bad. <laughs> it, it, it really isn't. Well, it's not, the profits aren't that bad. So that's why it's kind of, it's kind of the girlfriend that you, you can't like, you just can't break up with because despite all the terrible qualities, the good qualities are just good. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's kind of like Amazon. Like I, I just, I can't quit Amazon. And so Amazon recently, there's this thing called the inventory performance index. And when they first started this, it was basically uh, based on three things. How fast do you restock? Do you have stranded inventory? What's your sell through rate? And based on that, they gave you like this number. So initially it was 30, 350. If you have it above 350, you could have unlimited space in the FBA warehouse. Then they upped it to 400 like a few months ago. That was fine. But they gave you like six months, you know, startup notice to like, hey, get your act together, start selling things, remove things from the warehouse, be wise about what you're sending in. And then last week they said, starting August, whatever, 16 or 16, I think we are moving the IPI up to 500. So they moved it up to a hundred points. Now this wouldn't have been a problem for me if I was doing FBA consistently 
since February. But you remember, I took that three month break. And so there's a lot of inventory that just sat there. I didn't care about. There's a lot of stuff that went out of stock that I didn't worry about. <laughs> and so my IPI score is at 429 now. So I'm 71 points away. On top of that, they also said they didn't say and what they didn't say was more important. They didn't say you would get unlimited storage. So here's my thoughts on all this. My thoughts on this are that Amazon wants smaller sellers to function like eBay. They want them to do merchant fulfill. They want them to store the inventory and ship the inventory. They want to make room for the larger sellers that bring in the millions of dollars, that bring in the millions of products into the warehouse, which I get it. As a business, I understand that. What I'm bothered by is that they only gave us a month notice, which mm. that IPI is really hard to move. So for instance, I have that item that have a high sell-through rate, but I have another, I have another batch of items that it's gonna take a little bit to sell. And even if I remove them, my metric on sell-through rate isn't going to change. So I'm already going to, I'm already prepping that I'm going to be doing a lot of merchant fulfilled. Now here's the other catch. I didn't know this. A lot of you that have been doing Amazon for a while, you're like, Orlando, how did you not know this? You've been doing Amazon for a decade. So recently Amazon has been limiting how much of a certain item you can send into the warehouse. I'm like, whoa, like that's that's pretty intense. Like I've never had limits to an item. I've had limits to how much you can take up, but not limits to an item. So for example, I've had an item where I've, I told you I had a high sell-through rate and I noticed I, I sent in 280 units and then I was, you know, I was planning to send in like another 200 and I look at my limited stock. It's only, it was only allowing me to send 44 in. I'm like, what? I can only send in 44. So then I'm like, huh, I wonder if I just start selling through everything. I start. And so this is going to create a race to the bottom. Like if there's anything that's going to make Amazon dictate prices to you, it's this. Because then what I had to do is I had to just drop the price and just keep selling and selling. And I noticed as I kept selling and things would leave the warehouse, the amount I could send in kept going up. So... I had no options. Like I had, to, I had to sell through my stuff. So I sold through, you know, the 200 something units. And then my, my allowed inventory went up from 44 to like over 300. So Amazon got what they wanted. I didn't get the price I wanted. They got the sell through, they got the profits they wanted and I'm going to send in more inventory. So that algorithm to me is pretty solid. Like, I, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. I just don't like it. It's okay not to like something, even though you understand it, right? Am I okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a therapy session for Amazon right now. So long story short, if you're thinking about going into FBA, make sure you understand all this, that you need to find items that will sell through quick, which is a given. But you're going to see a lot of old YouTube videos or you're going to hear old school Amazon people. They're like, oh, this has a ranking of 500,000. Well, it'll eventually sell. I think those days are done. Yeah. I, I don't unless you're selling books that, you know, under a million, you're still OK with books. But if you're selling items like you're going, hey, this toy, like I'm going to source it now. I'm going to send it into the warehouse. It'll sell in three months. 
like that's going to hurt your IPI score and it's going to limit what you can send in. So be aware that if you're jumping into FBA and if you're brand, if you're not brand new to FBA and you've been doing FBA for a while, but you haven't been checking, you got to check those metrics, especially if you do one offs, because one offs could be clogging your IPI score and it could be limiting how much you can send in to stock. So right now I'm okay because on this trip, I'll be good. So no matter, you know, I, I just, I got to find enough to fulfill the limits, which I don't think I'm going to be able to do, but I'm glad I checked. Cause it, you know, what would have been terrible, Mike, if I wanted this trip and I could only send in 40 and I bought 300 units and I was stuck in a hotel room with 300 units and I could only send in 40. I, that would have been terrible. Just terrible. Yep. And yeah, I mean, the other option, I mean, you got to consider there's other, so how much money did you lose? Or profit did you lose by selling through, not getting the profit you wanted? Could you box those things up, send them to your house, store them yourself, and just keep that smaller 44, send them in? Like you might have to pay some money to ship them to you and then ship them into Amazon. But did you, will you make that up and not having to race to the bottom so quick in order to increase the number you could send in? I don't know. The reason I don't know is because you know how the market's so volatile right now. Yeah. Write this item in a week or two you know, things can open up, lockdown over in certain areas or more like, and like, we don't know if trends may change. Like I don't want to get stuck with it now. The, the one thing, the one comforting thing in all of it was I thought about, okay, so maybe I'm taking a price cut right now to sell through this, but overall it's going to be like the fast nickel model. Like the more I can sell, the more cash flow, the more I can buy, the more I can sell, the greater the profits I'll have overall. Yep. Right. So that was my view. My view is like, Hey, if I sell through all this, I'm good because it's going to allow me to sell more and I'm still going to make more money. So that's the other side. But I definitely will say, if you want to jump into the Amazon game, you got to treat it differently than eBay. You, uh, unless, unless you're doing fast and call on eBay too, but a lot of side hustle is long tail game uh, on eBay, unless you're trying to get those hot items. But you know, Mike and I, and now Mike's changing a little bit, but I'm a very long tail guy on when it comes to ebay and so i definitely have had to adjust my amazon over time so there's that all right the other item i wanted to talk about was <laughs> so ebay managed payments you signed up you already registered right and we yep. did i talk about how like they were offering money to people to sign up yeah i think so so now now they're not offering it to people but now the other catch is You'll get more free insertion listings if you have managed payments. Mm. So even though you're supposed to have managed payments, if you haven't signed up, here's another opportunity to sign up. Yeah. You see, here's what's happening is they, they have an, a, an agreement or had an agreement with PayPal. That agreement is coming to an end. The terms of that agreement is ending. And so there's going to come a reckoning day where they have to have their sellers on managed payment and not on PayPal. Or what's going to happen is they're going to, let's say it's 5% of their sellers aren't on managed payment. I don't know the number, 5, 6, 10, 50, I don't know. But how many haven't moved over yet? They're going to get cut off from PayPal. And they basically lost those people as sellers on eBay until they switch over. So there might be weeks while people are finally slowly moving into managed payment. So they want it to happen now. So that way they're not losing five, 10, 20% of their revenue over the next month while people are realizing, Hey, I can't use PayPal on eBay anymore. And just like you said, 
Amazon giving you a 30 day, you know, time limit, you're like, Hey, that's not fair. Like we need more time than that. Well, eBay's tried to give a lot of time. Please sign up, please sign up. They need that number. So that way it's like, Hey, we have 6% of our, our sellers aren't on managed payment yet. We need to get that down until it's close to zero as possible. So when PayPal goes away, we're not losing that revenue until they switch over. Yeah. So it makes sense for them to have the incentives now, even if it's like, you know, it seems kind of weird that they're like basically begging because they could just say, we're just going to cut it off. But if they just cut it off, which it's going to happen because it's a contract they have with another company, when it cuts off, they're going to lose that revenue until those people switch over. So they don't want to lose that revenue and have to pull 5% of the listings on eBay and say, these aren't active listings until there's a way to pay for them. No, agreed, agreed. And here's here's the thing. So this news story just dropped. This was on Market Watch. It it dropped today, this morning. It says eBay says it will move pretty quickly on payments transition as PayPal agreement expires. But here's what's interesting to me. So it said, heading into the weekend, eBay had 42,000 sellers using the new payments platform, and it had thus far processed more than 4.7 billion in volume through the Spanish Payments Initiative. Okay, again, 42,000. That's not a lot. According to Alyssa Cutright, eBay's vice president of global payments, who said the company would move fast to bring more merchants on board, the company had 250,000 more sellers who were enrolled to come onto the platform upon expiration of the PayPal agreement, which previously limited the extent to which eBay could run its own payments. So I'm just wondering what the holdup is. You know, like I, I'm, I'm ready. Like, get me on managed payments. I, I, you know, I am really. I don't see eBay doing this, but I'm really hoping that this is just a smooth transition. One morning, I wake up, and it's like you are now on managed payments, and more sales come in because people have more ways to pay, and we're all good. But if you are one of those sellers that has been holding out, don't because you could be jeopardizing your business right now. You could be one of those people that's stranded like in the netherworld with the inability to accept payment. Yeah. So <laughs> Mike's like, do it. All right. Hey, let's, let's move on now to our bolo. What's your bolo? What's your bolo? What's your bolo? <laughs> um, man, so I had a lot of, I found a lot of really cool things. Uh, I'm going to do two quick bolos um, just because I haven't done these in a while. And, um, they're pretty good. So one is, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I, I, I learned this at my mom's house and this is something Heather already knew. Uh, my mom has a whole bunch of carnival glass that was her mom's. Um, so like, you know, uh, cups, uh, saucers, things like that. And carnival glass is like a certain type of glassware. And she has a lot of the purple ones. And I guess the purple carnival glass is like the hot item. And so I just look some up. She's like, so how do you know what something's worth on, worth on eBay? And so Heather's like, oh, you have the purple carnival glass. It's worth a lot of money. Sure enough, I look it up and like just a cup or a bowl of carnival glass uh, where is, and it's like, again, it's a style of, of glassware. Um, you know, they're selling for 50, 75, $80 for one, one piece. And I don't know how many times I've been at thrift stores and not even thought to look for them. I didn't know that was a thing. Heather knew it was a thing. And so now I know it's a thing. Uh, so check that out, carnival glass. And then the other one is I was at a thrift store and I've sold multiple bike racks before, like ones that I like, hook onto uh, trunks. Those end up doing pretty well. You can oftentimes get them at garage sales for like five bucks or something like that. And then sell them for like 35 to $40 locally. Well, I found a hitch one, which is pretty neat because um, I know, you know, people have 
nicer bikes and trucks or even, you know, SUVs, they'll do the ones that attach to a hitch comes up and they can put their bikes on. It's a little bit more secure than the ones that you have to like basically use, you know, uh, ratchet straps that hook onto your, your trunk to hold this thing down. And I've known like Thule is a brand, right? I, uh, I think Thule is, is how you say it. There's another one that starts with the Y that's a pretty popular brand. Um, and I, I knew those two brands, but there was another brand that I came across and I picked up for $15 and the brand is called, I think it's, uh, Solaris. Um, I'll, I'll have it in my next YouTube video. I'll put it up there. Uh, but it's a, it's a bicycle rack brand and knew they sell for like close to $500 each for these ones that are hitch ones and use, they still go for 200 or up, you know, 150, $200. And I picked it up for 15. So it was just like a new brand to me. I didn't realize that this was, and I do bicycling. I just didn't, for whatever reason, I never ran across this brand, uh, but it's a, it's a higher end brand. It, it seems like. So if you see this Solaris um, or um, Saris or something like that, but anyway, search the ask. Check out the YouTube. Yeah. You'll, you'll see it on the YouTube video. It'll be dropping in a day or two. Uh, so check that out. But um it's kind of cool because you might think you know something about a certain niche, right? Like, Hey, here's the brand that sells for a bunch of money. And then you end up running across something. It's like, Oh, here's another one that sells for more. And where that's cool is you might not run into those as often at, you know, thrift stores, but that gives you one more thing you can be looking for locally, right? It gives you one more thing. That's like, Hey, if I see this at a garage sale, I'll immediately know this brand is worth money. Uh, so yeah, those two things, carnival glass. And I think it's Solaris or, um, you'll see it. I'll put it in the description. Hey, all right. So my bolo was, so right now Disneyland is kind of open. Well, no Disneyland in California. The only thing that's open is downtown Disney, which isn't Disneyland. It's just their store, like their little shopping area. And actually that store got swamped. Like there were people that waited overnight to source in that store. Maybe some of our listeners I know that listen to podcasts do that too. And then I know Walt Disney World, I think in Florida has kind of open. I could be off. But what I'm noticing right now, and I've sold a few Disneyland items. So like from Disneyland. So, you know, Disneyland hat or, you know, whatever shirts and stuff like that. And right now people are trying to find these items because, you know, they're, they're anticipating a travel to Disneyland or Disney World right? They haven't been able to go to for a while, or maybe they're just, you know, they like getting Disney stuff, but where are you going to go right now? Like you go to Disney store, but the Disney store online is only going to have a limited amount, right? It's not like you can go to the theme park and pick up different things. And so right now I am finding a lot of Disney stuff is, is selling. And especially if it's from Disney parks. Uh, and I've mentioned this before, this is going to be weird, but grumpy has a following. So oh, for sure. So and I don't know, I don't know why. Like I've sold grumpy hats for like 50 bucks before or gram, grumpy like shirts for like 30 to I've sold one for 80 bucks depends on the style. So I you know as as far as I'll go with the bolo on that one you can research it but there is money out there and I think it's just cuz it's like a cool like I think an older crowd likes the grumpy stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on but it sells. And so 
keep an eye out, especially for stuff that you could only get in the park right now if you're out thrifting and so on, because I think there are buyers out there looking for it, anticipating to travel, and they can't get it anywhere else. Or maybe you just have Disney collectors that are just trying to find for other uh, find other avenues co- to collect Disney items. And if you're yeah. a Disney collector, let us know in the comments what your thoughts are. Is Orlando totally off? Am I right? Who knows? That's good. Ah, that's a good one. And it's true about the grumpy. I always see people. You know what I notice is it's been getting darker if you're watching on the YouTube right now. I've got like a Phantom of the Opera thing going on. Where like <laughs> half of my face is like lit and the other half is not lit like half the time. I've been trying to like get into right lighting, but like it looks like I'm wearing a mask, which is like half my face is lit. There you go. Dun, 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 dun. All right, I, I tried to do the sounds, but it would have been pretty sweet. All right, man. What are you looking forward to here? You got a day or so left or a few days? Oh, I just want to get home. I want to get home back into routines. Um, I want to obviously sell the, the weights that I got. I mean, those have been, those have been, I, I would say burning a hole in my pocket, like the opposite of that, whatever that is. Um, okay. But but they've been dragging on my trailer, I guess is the better way of saying it. So I'm I'm ready to get rid of those. Um and you know, just to kind of actually get all of my stuff out and organize and figure out everything that I've got. Um and then to get back into some normal routines. I mean the the, the traveling was great. Um it's definitely something we're gonna do more often. Uh, but it's also it's rough, man. Like road traveling for weeks and just kind of trying to eat out or picnic and and figure it all out. So I'm excited to sleep in my own bed, to go to my own thrift stores and just kind of get back into routine. It's one of those things where it's great to go out and do other things, but you know, you can miss the the tried and true and what you know. And so I'm excited to be back. Uh, I'm looking forward to being back in the studio with you. Uh, <laughs> it's been, you know, a couple of weeks since we've actually recorded a podcast is the first one we've recorded in a while. We pre-recorded a bunch, so it'll be nice to, to get that going again. So yeah. What about you? So I'm looking forward to traveling. I mean, obviously when this podcast drops, hopefully things go well. The the concerning thing is, and so I did the math and it's going to be a profitable trip FBA wise. Mm. It's not going to be as profitable as I thought because this, this, this item I'm looking for, like it, you know, it, it could sell out and I could show up and, you know, I could be talking on the podcast and I'm like, yep, I showed up and yeah, there was nothing there. Right. And so, oh. But I, I did my research and it's going to it's going to be worth it to me. The other side of it is I'm looking forward to thrifting where I'm going. But my only concern is, am I going to fall into the same thing that I in California? Like I have these expectations. I have these hopes that I'm going to find this certain these certain brands that I can't find in California in this different location just because of, you know, the climate and that it's different than Cali. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, obviously I'm, I'm not going West coast, so I'm not going to look for Hawaiian shirts because if you're trying to find Hawaiian shirts somewhere else, it's impossible. Like in California, I think we have it easy, even like Las Vegas, you can find Hawaiian shirts, but you go into like areas of the Midwest, like there's no rain spooner. There's no Kahala. There's none of that. So I, I'm hoping, I think it's going to be profitable. I just want it to be like the last hurrah before summer, I hate saying this, before summer ends. The, the reason I, I say this is because I feel that every summer I've had one huge haul that carried me through summer. So before we went to eBay Open last year, it was Office Depot was closing. 
clothing, <laughs> closing with an S, even Office Depot is closing and ShopGo is closing. So I tr- I took trips to in within California to Office Depots and I flew out to ShopGo's. And uh, what I made from those trips took care of my ent- entire summer. The year before, Toys R Us was closing down. What I picked up there took care of my ent- entire summer. My hope is that this trip will carry me through the summer. So I'm not, if things slow down, I'm still going to be okay. And in California, I'm not looking to source to keep up. I'm just looking to source to prep for the winter. I don't know if that sounds right, but it's not, I'm not as, as like behind, you know, the eight ball, like, man, I got to get stuff. Cause I do have inventory. Don't get me wrong. I'm good. But, you know, I didn't jump into reselling to feel like I'm working. I jumped into reselling to feel that if as long as I keep doing maintenance, I'm going to be okay and I'm going to enjoy the time freedom. So I'm also looking, you know, where I'm going to be able to hit a couple spots, you know, just relax a little bit and uh, we'll see how it goes. So I'll report back at our next update episode and catch Instagram. I'll be sharing some of those travel on there and I may do a YouTube. Um I don't know. I don't know. It's whether I could get my son to do some editing for me. So we'll see what happens. So anyways, all right, man. Well, Hey, I hope you have safe travels. Yeah. Thanks, man. And, uh, you too. I mean, by the time I'm getting home, you're leaving. So it'll be a while before I see you. (laughs) Well, maybe one day we'll do a road trip together one day. So we'll see what happens. So, all right. Hey, with that being said, hey, thanks for tuning in. Sorry about the technical difficulties, but hey, we got to keep it real. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please. Please.